Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. How's everyone doing today? Thank you for coming out in the rain and on Super Bowl Sunday. I know the game doesn't start till 3, so we're here so that we will be in good graces with God so that the Rams can win. I know how it works. Well, we are continuing in essentials. Let's pause and let's pray uh, before we move forward. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the rain. Lord, it is a reminder of your goodness that you cause the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And in Southern California, we think of rain sometimes as a bad thing, but it's really so beneficial. It supplies what the earth needs to survive. And Lord, you provide what is needed for survival. And we are so grateful that you do that to all. Father, I pray for everyone who is here this morning and you know the needs, you know what needs to happen within each of our hearts that is going to be beneficial, that will help us in our relationship with others, in our relationship with you. And I ask God that you would allow these things to take place, that my words would be useful and that our hearts would be open and that our lives would lean into what you have for us. We do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, we talked about changing how we live. We talked about kind of repentance being a continual thing that happens, recalibrating our lives. Had anyone recalibrate their life last week to find that something useful to have to kind of keep doing. I had to do that quite a bit this week. You know, I'd find myself in a situation and I would just want to confront the situation in one way and I'd have to pause and I'd have to recalibrate and think, okay, I, I need to do this a little bit differently. And then I hope that through this series, these kinds of things are happening. Remember, Essentials is not about believing the right things. It's about becoming the right people, people who look like Jesus, who act like Jesus. And trying to have that mindset is really what this is all about. And so today we're going to continue in this. And this morning I'm going to talk about the difference between listening and hearing, music on the radio, Greek food, selling hardwood lumber, okay? You guys ready? All right, here we go. When you think of the word worship, where does that take place and what does that look like? Go ahead, shout it out. Where does worship take place? 
anywhere. Look at you guys. You guys are so, can't fool you guys. Magnolia. Turn with me to Mark chapter 12. Verse 28 and 34. Now, I had this all on the PowerPoint, and I didn't download the slides to my flash drive. So Rick is going to masterfully put these things up. If not, blame him later. Um, No, just kidding. Mark 12, sorry. (laughs) Mark 12, verse 28. says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no one other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. So many times in scripture, when Jesus is asked a question, he responds with a question. He doesn't come and just answer this. They'll they'll ask him something. And he will respond by saying something else. What gives you the authority to do this? I'll answer that if you answer me this. John's baptism, was it of God or men? And they were afraid so they don't answer. He has a way of kind of getting them to think about what they're saying instead of just give an answer, right? Are you the Christ? Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Should we pay taxes? Whose inscription is on the coin, right? He's constantly asking questions when people are asking questions, but not here. Here, he, it almost seems like, just quickly responds, which is unusual, And this whole dialogue is very intriguing because there's someone here, we don't have the name, but they see Jesus debating and they like what Jesus is saying and they ask him this and they say, that's a good answer. Isn't that interesting that there was someone out there who agreed with Jesus, a teacher of the law, and we don't know who it is, but he was out there and he actually says Similar things that what Jesus was saying. And Jesus says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. That means you're near, right? It doesn't mean like, well, you still you know, have to do this, this, and this. He means you're close. But what I want to focus on here most is what Jesus says in verse 29. The most important one, answer Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, this is known as the Shema. This is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 6. The word Shema means here. And there's a difference between listening and hearing. You see, when someone says, listen, do you hear that? 
right? It's you're listening to see if you can hear something. If someone says, hear that, that means something is actually being said that you can hear. One is you have to discern whether something's being said. The other is something is being said or something is there and you need to listen because it's already there. It's not, is it there? It is there. And so listen is an important part or hearing is an important part. And here is the commandment. Hear, O Israel. In other words, I'm speaking. So hear what I'm saying. Any parents here? Right? Hear what I'm saying. Now, we might say, listen to what I'm saying, but what we mean is, hear what I'm saying. There's no doubt in my mind what I'm saying. I don't know why there's confusion in your mind as to what I'm saying. You need to come into agreement with what I'm saying. Right? So hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. What does that mean, and why is it so important? The Lord our God is one. Hear this. Well, to appreciate this, we have to look at what was implied back in Deuteronomy when it was given to the children of Israel and Moses and even at the time of Jesus. Because at this time, there was a a plurality of thought. There was a Pluralistic thinking as far as God. It wasn't just a monotheistic, it was a polytheistic belief system where there was a God for everything. There's a God for the sun, there's a God for the rain, there's a God for the sea, a God for the forest. There's here God, there God. In every aspect of life, there was this understanding of there's gods in these places and you have to go to these gods so that you can get an answer. Oh, you want to have children? Go to the God of fertility and maybe they will bless you so that you can have children. And so this mindset was prevalent at the time that these were being written. These things are being written. And so when he says here, the Lord our God is one, it's really making a statement that above an umbrella, above all of your life is the Lord doesn't matter what part of your life is. You can't dissect your life away from the fact that there is one God over all these things. And so this isn't just about a, a monotheistic belief over a polytheistic belief. This is about God being God over every sphere of our lives. And that's why it's so important. Here, God is over every aspect of your life. It could be about the crops and your finances. It could be about your health and these things. God is over it all. That is the idea that is being presented here. And it's not just one of, is there just one God? It is God is the Lord over everything. About seven years ago, I was at Starbucks Surprise. And I came out of Starbucks, and I remember very clearly, because just the things that happened, I was listening to the radio, and it's probably because I didn't have a MP3 player or something at the time, but I remember I was listening to, 
it was K-Rock, I believe, and I was listening to Smashing Pumpkin's song, Today. Anyone know that song? Today is the great... Anyway, it's a cool song, and I was liking the song, and I was just like, this is a cool song. And then I pulled up out of Starbucks and around, and I was there on Foothill. I was getting ready to... Actually, I was going to go straight, because there's a shortcut to my house if I go through the parking lot. Anyway... There was a person next to me, and I recognized them, a person who went to a church that I used to go to, and they were listening to music too, and their music was pretty loud because I could kind of hear it. And I looked at them, and all of a sudden they saw me, and they looked at me, and they were like surprised because I hadn't seen them in a while. And they rolled down their window, you know, because they had the electric window roller, and I rolled down my window because <laughs> that's how I roll. Uh, <laughs> And I said, hey, how's it going? He goes, hey, oh, sorry, I didn't see you. I was listening to my music. And I said, oh, no, that's fine. He goes, hey, but it's not secular, it's Christian. And I thought, thank you for giving me that information, you know. I didn't tell him what I was listening to because, you know, I wouldn't fare so well, you know. It's just like, okay, your music is sacred. Mine is secular. And you see, we have a way of dividing our world between secular, which means not sacred, or it means apart from God, and sacred, which means under God. Something that God is over. And this is dualistic thinking. When Scripture says the Lord our God is one, it means over everything. Right, And the idea that God's blessing is in one place but is not in the other place changes how we think and see our world. Our culture is already so segregated, right? Where you work, you don't see the same people that you interact with at your Starbucks or wherever you get your coffee, Rad Coffee, whatever place you go to get your coffee. If you go regularly, there's a group of people. I see people at the coffee shop all the time. Hey, how's it going? How you been? Right? I talk to the baristas so they can get my coffee right. Right? It's like you have these people and then there's other people who you meet and talk to at the gym. If you're one of those people who do that kind of thing, right? You go to the gym and then you have those people. Hey, how's it going, buddy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, whatever it is you do. And and then there's people at your house and then there's people at church and we have all these segments, right? And, And both people of faith and people who don't have faith have this idea of sacred and secular. How many people who don't go to church say, oh, I can't go to church. If I went to church, it'd be struck by lightning, right? Why? Because man, church is sacred and you don't know me. And so the idea of this, or my home, it's my castle. This is a sacred place. This is where I live, and I have this sense of this is supposed to be a special place. And and we have this kind of thinking. This place is sacred. This place isn't. Right? Which is why Jesus caused so much conflict. You eat with sinners. That is considered secular. That is not under the blessing of God. That is not where God is. God is in the temple. And if we're not careful, this mindset can affect what we think. It's the 
root of a mentality that's detrimental to living an essential life that looks like Jesus, who shows up where people don't expect, who has dinner with people who you wouldn't expect to be eating with, who has conversations with people that you wouldn't expect to have conversations with, right? This is changing how we see that there is no space really that is not sacred. Why? Because the Lord our God is one. He's over it all. And this is at the heart and the point, right? There is no secular and sacred. It's all sacred. And it doesn't mean that you can only listen to Chris Tomlin and you can't listen to Queen or Smashing Pumpkins. This doesn't mean you can only eat, you know, certain foods that are kosher. Remember, that was the conversation that Paul had with the church. No, that's not the case anymore. And God showed Peter in Acts chapter 10, don't call unclean what I have cleansed. So it doesn't mean you can only drink herbal tea. Thank God. You can have coffee. You can have beer. It doesn't make it unsacred. Right? There's something more going on here than separating things. This is where God is. This is where God isn't. And it means that all of who we are, wherever we are, is under who he is. All of who we are, wherever we are, is under who he is. And when we understand that God is everywhere and seeking to restore and redeem broken people and the brokenness throughout all of creation, then our lives take on new meaning, spiritual meaning. Then we start to see things more clearly. This week I had dinner with someone who I've known for years. And Corrine and I had dinner, and there was a few people there. And in our conversation that we were talking, it, it got a little heated. We talked about politics. We talked about religion. I don't know why it got heated. Um, but <laughs> as we were talking and conversing, and this person is a person of faith as well, they were saying that you know they were having problems because other people are coming into the country and using water. And so his water bill is going up, right? And I'm, yeah, it was a little more complicated than that, but that kind of was where it was going. And I was saying, well, but, you know, these people need water too. I mean, it's not like you can just exclude. And he was really very much a part of, well, you know, I have a right as a citizen of this country to have a certain way of life. And I'm not going to let anyone take that away from me. And we need to stand our ground and preserve our way of life. And I totally understood what he was saying. And I said, well, what about caring for those who are the least of these? What about instead of trying to maintain our way of life, what about Jesus' words, the meek, will inherit the earth. And there was this tension between, 
you know, what I was saying and what he was saying. And we were kind of talking, and it was, you know, friendly. I mean, it, no one was throwing things. Um, but it definitely was a, a disagreement, right, in how we were seeing what God is wanting to do and how God is wanting to do it. And there was very much a dualistic thinking of we are here and other people are here. And we have God and we have God's blessing and these people don't and we shouldn't give our blessing up for the people who don't. And it was very troubling for me. And you guys, you know, might know me. I get a little passionate sometimes, you know, when I'm talking about things that are important to me. And so I was just saying what I felt, you know, and what I feel is important according to scripture. And it really has to do with this. It's like, God is over all. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 and 45, Jesus says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, which is something I mentioned, by the way, right? Pray for those who persecute, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and good and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. If God waters those people, can't they have water from you too? Right? Don't they get God's blessing? Is God only blessing those who believe in Jesus and he is not blessing those who don't? Is that how God works? Oh, you don't believe in me? I'm going to send famine. That'll teach you something. You don't believe in me? I'm going to send disease. That'll teach you. Is that how God works? Jesus is saying that God brings the sun and rain on those who are even unrighteous. And he tells us to love our enemies. That doesn't mean you have to let toxic people infect you. That doesn't mean you don't have boundaries. Some people you have very clear boundaries. Some people you don't interact with because they are so toxic. Some people need to be incarcerated, right? There's a lot that goes on here. It doesn't mean that you just open up your life and let them do whatever you, they want. What it does mean is you want what is better for them. Even though they are someone who is in opposition, Jesus very much is talking about Rome here and talking about the Jewish people and talking about how they are supposed to deal with them. If someone says to you, go one mile, which is Roman soldiers' right to tell you, hey, you're a slave of the empire. You need to carry my stuff and take it one mile. He says, go with them too. If they ask you for your coat, give them your cloak also. He's talking about going that second mile. He's talking about showing love even though they don't deserve it. And you see, this was the mentality I felt we needed to inject in that conversation. God is not seeing us versus them. With Jesus, there is no them. Everyone's welcome. The Pharisees the Sadducees, the Roman centurions, the Samaritan woman, the fisherman, the tax collector. God is extending himself to all of them. They are all people that the Father in heaven cares for, wants to bless, wants to see come to a place of restoration. We tend to think that we invite God into the center of our lives. 
right? God, I'm going to let you become the center of my life. When in reality, God is at the center of life and is inviting us to live out of that center. And when he says the Lord our God is one, it is an encompassing thing that is meant to envelop you. It is like diving into the ocean and being fully submerged and the ocean is everywhere that you are. It engulfs you. The Lord our God is one. And when we're talking about God, we're talking about much bigger than the ocean. We're talking about enveloping us in much deeper ways. Surrounding us completely. And an awareness of this is so important that we understand this. Because this monotheistic idea means that we cannot live as if there is one God for our church life, one God for our home life, one God for our work life. They are all immersed in who this God is, right? Is he God of our political life, of our economic life? of our social life? What does that look like? And do we recognize that? He is one. He's over us in every aspect of our lives. And we don't usually say it that bluntly. Well, is he God over your political life? Is he the Lord over this area of life? We don't say it like that, but that's really what it means. You know, and when I was having this conversation, it was this political life was here and this, you know, Christian life was here and they seemed so detached to me. And I wasn't trying to prove one way or another, right? I wasn't trying to say I'm for this party or I'm against this party. I was really trying to say, this is what I see the heart of God. How does that show up in all this area of life? How does it, take place. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 38, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The multitude of people They weren't categorized. These people are with us. These people aren't. Us and them. It wasn't placed. They were all seen as sheep needing a shepherd. Helpless, harassed. I don't know about you, but there's many times I felt helpless and harassed. And there's many times I see people, and instead of seeing them as wrong or them, maybe I need to see them as helpless and harassed and still under the one God who is extending himself, who has compassion on them. What difference would it make in our lives if we understood that God was already working 
in these people's lives, already speaking in every place of the world, how would it change and shape our perspective? And I know I've talked about this a lot. God is always speaking. God is always at work. But if we would see that, then it would stop the us versus them mentality. Then it would put us under this umbrella of recognition. There is one Lord. He is Lord over all of us. We are all in the same boat. Helpless, harassed, broken, needing guidance, needing help, needing support, needing his reign, needing his sunshine, needing the love of God to bring restoration to our souls. There is life we are being invited to live out of. And it's available to everyone. It's available for everyone. Maybe we would see and sense what God is doing in the most unexpected places. Isn't that why they were so surprised at Jesus? How can these people who had no teaching say these things? In the book of Acts, they marveled and understood they had been with Jesus, even though they were unlearned men. How could they know that? They saw it in their lives. It was unexpected. These people shouldn't be as powerful as they are. They're just fishermen. They're just electricians. They're just plumbers. They're just dog trainers, right? They are just fill in the blanks, but something unexpected is happening. And it's showing up in their lives because there is no business as usual. I I can live one way at church, but I can act another way in my business and be shady and deal with people a certain way. Why? Because I need to make the, the money. No, not if my life is encompassed by this understanding. When I was working and selling hardwood lumber, I would go to these places, and they ranged from huge places that were giant manufacturers to little mom-and-pop stores that are making furniture for your local places. And I can remember going into some of the smaller places, and I would try and sell you know, the product, the wood there. And then the guys say, oh, your prices are too high. And I think, no, my prices can't be that high. Go, oh, no, they're too high. And then I remember one time I showed up, and there was some lumber that just came from another competitor. And I said, oh, did you just get that in? And they go, yeah, and I only paid this much for it. And I said, well, can I measure the lumber with you and see how much is there? And he goes, what do you mean? I go, well, we have to tally the lumber. That's what they call it. And so I showed him how to measure the lumber. Okay, you take the width, you take the length, and you divide it, and you have the width of the wood, and you put this all together. And I said, this is how much lumber you have there. And he looked at the manifest, and it was about 8% short of what he said he had. It's called bumping the tally, right? And a lot of these smaller places, what they would do is they would bump the tally and they'd say, oh, it's the milling cost. You know, we start off with a larger, you know, uh, portion of lumber, but it shrinks because of the drying and because of the cutting it off. And so this is what you have. It's illegal. And so I taught him how to do this. 
So for every time now you get your lumber, you can do this measure. I wrote it out and I said, see, now my price actually looks good. And he was incensed, right? He called these people and started yelling at him and I was just smiling, you know. You see, I could have bumped the tally because everyone's doing it. Everyone's cheating these mom and pop places out of their lumber. Or I could help him not get cheated. And I could actually develop a healthier relationship. And it was important to me that I lived this way in my life. I never thought I would be a salesman, right? It just, you know, I just had this used car guy, you know, wearing a cowboy hat. Go see Sam, go see Sam, right? It was like, I just didn't want to be that kind of a guy, and so I was determined I'm not going to be a high pressured. I'm not going to do these things, but I had to sell wood. It's my livelihood. And so I had to be honest about it and I had to communicate it honestly. And I developed a good clientele because of that. I remember when I finally left that industry and I was not going to be a salesman anymore, one of the guys was crying. We hugged and he said, goodbye. I'm so, who am I going to buy from? I go, you didn't buy that much from me. You know, I used to my friend now. But anyway, I wanted that relationship. That was important to me. You see, it shows up. Life is sacred even where I work. Why? Because there is one Lord, one God who is over all. In Romans chapter 11, verse 36, Paul writes, For from him and through him, And for him are all things. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Get it? From him, through him, and for him are all things. This is at all encompassing. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And then Romans 1 and 2, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, probably a passage most of us are familiar with. I want to read it to you in the message translation. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't be so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. I love that. Your everyday life. Your life at work. Your life at home your life at church, your life at the gym, if you're one of those people. Everywhere, recognize what God is doing and let him change you from the inside out. Place your life in his care, in his hands, no matter where you're at. I know that some places are difficult to live as a follower of Christ. This person I was talking to at the Greek restaurant was saying, you know, I can't 
talk about my beliefs at work because I'm, you know, a minority there. And, you know, if I were to say what I believe, I would get chastised and I would get this and I would get these things. I, I know it's difficult. But there's a way to live there that is intriguing. There's a way to live there that's under this umbrella that is readily making yourself available to God and what God wants to do in your ordinary life, placing it before God as an offering. But you see, you have to see that I'm here for others, not just myself. Because God is one, then everything every day and in every way is under this umbrella of his lordship. Do we see that? Or do we see these people? They're getting away with it. Oh, those people, they're not under God. Telling you his ocean is much deeper than we imagine. It may look that way but I have been alive long enough to know you reap what you sow. No one gets away from the hound of heaven who pursues the hearts of men who are broken, harassed. One day your life will come to the place where it says enough. And if it doesn't, it may end in a terrible way. But God is reaching and extending himself. And no wonder Jesus calls it the most important commandment of all. Because it calls us to bring our minds, hearts, and bodies under the complete lordship of Jesus. God is no longer understood as involved in just the spiritual dimensions of lives because, you know, We can't eliminate sacred and secular. We can't divide that because it's not real. Understanding that God and his lordship over life in general. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 26, quoting from Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. What is he saying here? Lord is one. Everything. And it's very possible to believe there is only one God, but to live as if there was more than one. Right? It's possible to say, oh, I only believe in one God, but I live as if he's only a part of this area of my life. I don't live as if he's a part of this area of my life. I, I set my side myself aside for this area and give God this portion, but I don't give God this portion because I don't think he is there. We don't say it that way, but we live it that way. And again, he is calling us to be whole. He's calling us the totality of who we are to be involved. And he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and strength, right? You're you're to love God from what's in you, the inner person, the soul, the mind, how you think, strength in what you do. You see, all of who God is is supposed to affect all of who I am. 
And so loving him with heart, soul, and mind is saying the totality of who you are needs to be offering yourself to God. That's what love is. And that's why it's the greatest commandment here. In other words, God is speaking. The Lord is one. Love him with all that you are and love others as you love yourself. These are the most important things. And this is how we live lives that are missional, that are extending, that are like Jesus. So we have this before us. Let's pray. Lord God, I know that there is nothing new in what I am sharing here, that these are things you have said, things that we have heard. And yet, Lord, I know in my own heart it is shaking me to see if there are corners of my life, if there are areas of my life that I live segregated, that I live a a separated life. And I pray for all of us here, especially in those places where it is a struggle to know how we are supposed to live with a faith that is so encompassing in a place that has so many seeming restrictions. May we not limit you, God. May we allow you to permeate our lives and show up. Give us insight in how we are to conduct ourselves in all these ways. So, Father, we can hear what is the greatest and most important thing, to recognize you everywhere in our lives, to give ourselves to you from every place in our life. Lord, that people would see that because we extend ourselves to them as well. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for seeing me as a a sheep that is harassed, seeing me as a person that is broken and lost, and not seeing me outside, but seeing me and drawing me within. God, thank you for your love your faithfulness in our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May you hear that the Lord, our God, is one. May that capture your life. May you respond by loving him with all your heart, your soul, strength. Have a wonderful week. God bless you guys. Go Rams. Let's happen. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.